everybody. Welcome to the Dr. Drew Podcast. We appreciate you being here and supporting the people that support us. Don't forget to check out some of the other places you can find me, uh, Dr. Drew After Dark, the, the Corolla uh, group. And those of you who listen to Dr. Drew Podcast probably love that as well. It's sort of a in modern incarnation of Loveline in a strange way, but uh, you'll see what I mean if you go over there. It's uh, on your mom's house platform. And then the streaming show we're doing Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 3 o'clock. Been interviewing some very interesting people and trying to sort of reconstruct where we jumped off the rail during COVID and what we can do to prevent that in the future. Today, it's my privilege to welcome my friend and uh, staff trainer, Rami Adelike. He's, uh, I, this, we, did we do this podcast together before? I think we have, right? No, we did the one in person at your studio, okay. but I don't think that, we did it, this okay. one. So that was a, a yeah. version of this kind of podcast. And, um, Ramey was uh, someone that uh, was kicking my ass in the <laughs> desert back in the day, uh, last almost a year ago to the day, in fact, yeah, uh, yeah. as we record this. And uh, it was a great experience. And we came out of that uh, learning. Well, how do I describe this? We reconnected in real life and became yeah. friends. And I became a huge fan of uh, everything he's doing. He's an actor. He's an author. He's a producer. Uh, he's a host. Uh, just an incredibly talented person with an extraordinary story that I'm going to make him tell again. <laughs> Before I do, though, uh, I noticed you were Instagramming or maybe it's tweet tweeting. I saw you tweeting a bunch about your dad. Yeah. Uh, so what's going on with that? Yeah. So, you know, I just did a July 4th post about, you know, where I came from and I'm sure we'll go into my story. So I won't give away too much right now, but um, just, you know, talking about my dad and how the Nigerian government did what they did to us and, and, and how I appreciate being in America uh, and having the freedoms and, and the ability to be able to start from nowhere and end up where I am today. And uh, I, I posted a picture of me and my SEAL team when we were on a, a pretty cool deployment. Can't go into too much detail. And uh, in the center of the uh, picture, we were holding up the American flag. And I didn't think anything of it. It was just a July 4th post, uh, you know, showing my appreciation to America. And that post is like almost at like four. I checked this morning. It was like 3.5 million views. Like wow. thousand, like 50,000 retweets. Like I got people from Nigeria who my dad and mentees reaching out to me on WhatsApp saying, man, you're all over the news here in Nigeria. It's all about the banana Island, man. We're going to probably be able to get it back for you. So yeah, man, it, it just blew up into uh, something crazy. I did another post today because there were a lot of Nigerians who were saying, we heard about your dad and we knew of your dad. We just didn't know that you were, that guy's son like we like because my dad's a legend in nigeria so they didn't oh, know that's that so interesting and, and, <laughs> yeah. so, and so and, and people often in this country we're so provincial you know nigeria has something like six or six hundred million people something crazy like that right yeah huge yeah, it's really population. Large, yeah huge population what is it yeah yeah it's 600 plus million uh, yeah. uh people in nigeria yeah you're right yeah yeah and so a lot of that heat on social media probably was coming because of your dad so yeah so what happened with this island he created is that back is that sort of something tell me the story What what is it with that yeah yeah so you know back in uh before i was born in the 70s my dad well, my dad he was educated in the west he got a full ride academic scholarship to study engineering and architecture in uh london and graduated with honors and both programs. And then he uh, ended up building his wealth and his businesses in London and in America. He was actually one of the first black men on the board, the World Trade Center uh, in New York City. And uh, he was one of the first black man on the board of the British Financial Planning Council in Great Britain. So my dad was a very, he was, he was a visionary uh, entrepreneur mindset, just a very diverse guy as it relates to business and intellect. And so after a number of years of building his wealth, he decided, you know what, I want to take everything that I've learned and everything that I've accumulated and bring it back to Nigeria because my dad was, you know, he was born in Nigeria. And uh, because Nigeria is so rich in resources, you got cocoa, you got gold, you got natural gas, you got oil in abundance. You have all of these fruits. You have just just 
endless uh, supply of minerals and resources in Nigeria. And he figured if I can go back to Nigeria with my knowledge and expertise and create some type of business sector, Nigeria can be like the West. Nigeria could be like America. It could be like the United Kingdom. It could be like Saudi Arabia because of the fact that we have so many of these natural resources. Um, and so he went back to Nigeria and uh, he, in the 1970s. Your mom? Had you, had you met, he met your mom at that point? No, this is before he had met my mom. Uh, he didn't meet my did mom. Did they meet in Nigeria or did they meet in the West? They actually met in New York at the Metropolitan Museum of Natural History. And uh, I want to say 80, like 80 in 1980. And then they got married five months later. So a lot of this was before my mom. And uh, so in the 1970s, he bought a massive plot of America, um, land in Nigeria called Marico. Uh, as a matter of fact, I did a post today, you know, pulling a piece of an article and then posting it, you know, just as more receipts. Um, and, uh, and, and there was a military coup and the, uh, the military confiscated that land, Marico, in the 1970s. And my dad had spent eight million pounds to buy this land. And again, his goal was to develop a World Trade Center, Wall Street in Marico. And so he went to court, fought the court for a number of years. I'm truncating the story for the sake of time, but he fought, fought the court for a number of years. And then finally in the early eighties, um, after he had married my mom and, 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 you know, after me and my brother came along, um, the, the courts finally settled and said, okay, we won't give you Marico but we'll give you whatever else you want or we'll give you your money back. So there was this lagoon, which was essentially a swamp uh, off the coast of Lagos. Um, and uh, he said, I want that, <laughs> you know, hmm. I want that swamp. And they, I got, I got, I got questions. Yeah. yeah. How, how did he arrive at that? What, what uh, do you know what he was thinking about? What was it about that location? He was thinking that if it, well, one, it was, it was centrally located. So it was a, it was a great area. Um, but the biggest reason why he selected the swamp was, which was a body of water, um, was because in his mind, if he created something where there was never something, then no one can ever come along the Nigerian government or, you know, corrupt politicians. They can never come along as like they did with Marico and say that was okay. mine. Okay. You know, because so he didn't in, want what happened in, with Marico to happen again. And to be fair, I mean, Miami was built on a swamp and Washington, D.C. Yeah. was built on a swamp. I and mean, people there yeah. in Chicago had to be lifted up out of the water at one point. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's precedent for that kind of uh, development and engineering. And yeah. what, during those years, where, by the way, we, I, we both you and I got the population wrong. It's 213.4 million as of uh, 2021 okay. in Nigeria. Okay. But, but when it came to those years when he was fighting in court, he met your mom in New York City, right? Yeah. Actually, Casting from right now, Remy. I assume is oh. in San Diego, right? That's yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And the they were he must have been back and forth to to the states. Then is that right? Yeah, he he traveled all over the world because he had businesses in the U.S. He had businesses in uh, Japan. He had businesses in in Europe, in the Netherlands, the U.K. So yeah, he traveled all over the world. And and he was at when he was in New York, it just happened to be a uh, exhibit on Yoruba art. And my dad is Yoruba. My last name, Adeleke, is Yoruba. It means the, the crown is, is supreme or the crown is above. And so there was this, this, uh, uh unique, um, temporary showcase of Yoruba art at, at the Metropolitan Museum. My mom, she's always been in love with art and fascinated by art. So especially African art. So she went to that, that uh, exhibit and my dad just happened to be there. They met, fell in love. And there's a lot more to the story, but they fell in love and <laughs> got married. You, <laughs> got going, married. you keep going yada, yada, yada. And then there's <laughs> yeah. boys. And then <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and did she, I, cause this time I want to get into these weeds a little bit. Uh, okay. And, okay. I've been digesting your story for quite some time and I, I yeah. A lot of questions and things. Yeah. And so, so your mom is from New York, right? From New York, born yeah. and raised. And he, she and falls in love with this Nigerian guy who's this really this, this, you know, this ball of energy, I'm imagining. It must yeah. have been not like you had to like hang on to him to keep up, right? Yeah. Yeah. And did she like have doubts about going to Nigeria or just, I love this guy so much and that's it. And, you know, the doubts, as my mom always tells me, were early on, you know, when she met him, because, you know, she's at this museum and he was essentially following her around the museum because he <laughs> saw her and, and, uh, and he just kept on ending up at the same piece of art 
that she was looking at. And he just, just happened to be there. What kept, are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and he was telling my mom, I'm a chief in the Yoruba tribe. Cause you know, my dad chief is, is a, akin to royalty in Nigeria. And you know, I'm this and I'm that. And my mom's this New Yorker. She's like, get away from me. You know, like, what do you talk about? I don't believe Yeah, whatever, get, you know? And, uh, and so, uh, she was skeptical, but as they continue to talk at the museum and then they went on a couple dates, that's when she really started to see that he was a, uh, he was a good guy and, and, and had good intentions. And, uh, she fell in, once they fell in love and got married, my mom was just like, I would follow your dad anywhere. You know, he right. was, uh, he was just, he was well known, but he was, you know, people, every place he went, people held him up in prestige and respected him. And that same respect and admiration was passed on to my mom because of her relationship with my dad. So when my dad was like, Hey, let's, let's go to Nigeria. That's where my headquarters is. And I'm working on this important project. Um, my mom was like, I'll follow you anywhere. That's a great story. Yeah. Did she, did you, as she sort of, you know, I know there's this, there's a, this to jump ahead, they end yeah. up back in New York, but when she was in Nigeria, is English the main language in Nigeria? Yep. 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 And, yep. Did she have any misgivings about being there? Any concerns about it? it just was just. No, no, because we, she lived a somewhat of a westernized life. We lived on a compound, uh, you know, in a mansion. I mean, she, you know, there were nannies and drivers and, 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 uh, maids and, you know, so every, our life, our bubble was very insulated. And, uh, and so, but at the same time, as she began to venture off and go to, to the grocery store because she didn't like people doing all that stuff for her. Um, she began to see things, you know, and, right. and the corruption in Nigeria and she began to learn the system. And so, you know, fast forward a little bit when my dad, after he developed, began to develop the island, um, she would tell my dad all the time, listen, all of our assets, all of our money uh, is wrapped up in this island. I do not trust this government system. And if something goes wrong, like what happened with Mariko before we met, we're going to lose absolutely everything. We're going to lose millions of dollars and I'm not going to have a nickel to my name. And so my mom was, she, I mean, she was a New Yorker. So she was very wise and very street smart. And, and, and after again, venturing out into the streets and learning how the system was, she was just like, you got to put money elsewhere. My dad would always say to her, no, my priority is my country. Um, because I, I want the world to respect Nigeria. And I know that this Wall Street that I'm going to create, this World Trade Center, will uh garner respect from people around the world in Africa. And once that's done, then we could put money in the US. So my mom was she ended up being right, you know, in the in, in the long run. Because that's what happened, right? Was it yep. another coup or they just came yeah. after him or what do we even know really? Yeah. So um the so Marico that was a federal government when they took Marico from it because it was a military coup. So technically it was a federal government. So after the democracy was reinstalled after the military coup, then the, the, uh, the federal government gave my dad as the one that said, okay, you could have this swamp. Okay. So they awarded him, gave him a deed. Everything was in his name. Essentially this was compensation for the 8 million pounds that he had spent on Marico. Um, fast forward to after, after the land had formed, not, when my dad started signing paperwork, not when he started dredging the foreshore and having Dutch engineers flying from the Netherlands to help dredge the foreshore and develop this land. After the land had been formed, fully formed, and the construction started on the island, the Lagos state government, which was run by the guy who's the current president of Nigeria, uh, the Lagos state government came in and said that the federal government was never supposed to award him this land. Wow. It was, you know, very, this is how corruption works. Yes. So they they, do whatever it wants. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's how it then they, you know, they, the state government took it and said it was ours. And, and, uh, you know, my dad went to court to start fighting them and just died three weeks later. Oh Um, God. Three weeks after that started. Yeah. And, and do we know cause of death or anything? Or yeah. So, so on the autopsy, um, he had been given medication because he got bit by a dog. 
Um, he went out for a walk, you know, be stressed out. My dad would always, when he would um, get stressed out, he would just go for long walks around the neighborhood um, just to think and process things. And, you know, there was a neighbor who had a dog and uh, actually an Indian guy. He wasn't Nigerian. He was an Indian guy. And uh, his dog got loose and attacked my dad and bit him. Uh, my dad went to the hospital and got medication. And essentially the autopsy showed that the medication was essentially poison. It was, it was oh bad medicine. God. So that's what killed Ooh, him. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that's killed him. Crazy. Yeah. And we know that there's a lot of people that were involved in my dad's demise. And, you know, it was very sophisticated because the guy who was our family security guard and my dad's personal security is now the, is to this day the manager of the island, Banana, which is now, yeah. which is renamed for Lagoon City to Banana Island. Amino acids are, of course, the building blocks of life essential for health and fitness. It's how we build proteins. No matter how you like to move, whatever you do to stay fit, amino acids are key. Keon Aminos is a fundamental supplement for fitness. You can take it every day. I do. Keon Aminos is backed by over 20 years of clinical research, highest quality ingredients, no fillers or junk. So if you want to naturally boost energy, build lean muscle, enhance athletic performance, think of Keon Aminos, K-I-O-N. And you can now save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases all you got to do is head on over to getkeon, that's G-E-T-K-I-O-N dot com slash Dr. Drew. That is getkeon.com slash D-R-D-R-A-W. Amino acids of various types. Take a look at their products. They are really excellent, and I take them on a regular basis. Get my fundamental supplement for fitness at getkeon.com slash Dr. Drew. What what is the now to jump uh, zoom ahead to the present yeah. moment? The the who's getting that back now? What what is the status? What, why are people excited about that region again? Yeah, so um, the island is uh, now been turned into a very upscale residential neighborhood. So billionaires have. You know, Dan Goti, who's the richest African on the planet, has a compound on Banana Island. Uh, DeVito, who's a very famous um, uh, Afrobeats rapper, has, uh, has a compound on the island. So a lot of rich Africans have compounds on this island. And uh, and so essentially now uh, my brother, my half brother, because my dad was married years before he married, my met and married my mom. Um, he's about 15, 16 years older than me. He's a lawyer. And so he's taken up the case since 1987 when, when that happened. And um, he's been fighting them. He's been going to court. Um, the f- one thing that happened is they offered us $8 million. Uh, I want to say like five, six years ago, they offered our family $8 million. Obviously, my brother turned that down because he was like, listen, you know, my dad, technically, he bought that land for 8 million pounds. But this was in the, you know, this was in the 70s because this was Marico. So, you know, just for inflation and then all the money he spent developing that swamp into the island. And then now, you know, just for inflation, what it's worth now, it's worth billions. It's literally worth billions of dollars now. So that's why my brother turned down the $8 million offer. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of where we are in in the case now. But but like I said, since that social media post, I've been getting, I mean, my Twitter has gone from like (laughs) 7,000 followers to like, I think it's close to like 15, 16,000 followers overnight. And I'm getting, my messages are popping every minute. And uh, I've been getting Nigerians from, you know, my dad's, you know, life, former life, you know reaching out and saying, hey, like you're making news here in Nigeria and we think we're going to be able to go back into the courts with your brother and really push this thing a little bit harder because the people of Nigeria are behind you now. You know, now that they've heard your story. Yes, it was turned into this big out of control thing. Are you going to do news hits and stuff in Nigeria? I, you know, I yeah, I mean, I want to, there's a bunch of blogs that picked up the post um, that I did, and they've been they've been regurgitating it and, and putting it in news stories. So the news stories are already out there. That's why I got I have all these Nigerians, not just from Nigeria who are there, from Canada, Europe, yeah. you so, know, even America, who are just yeah. like, oh, we just read your story, this story about your dad. We didn't know, like this politician lied and said he discovered Banana Island. That oh, we always knew that it was a lie, and now we see the receipts and everything. So it's wow. it's turned into this crazy thing, man. So who oh, knows? I might be goodness, a billionaire by next year. <laughs> How interesting. And so, 
So it's it's so that was when the eighties when he really started working on the the, the Marcos thing was in the seventies. Was it the eighties yeah. started the Banana Island thing? Yeah, yeah, it was actually Lagoon City, but um, but yeah, he started that early eighties, like eighty eighty one yeah. is when the court. And so re-wanted. that is a period of spectacular growth in Nigeria, right? And it it is it has become what your dad kind of imagined in many ways, right? Uh, yes and no. Corruption has really stifled the growth of Nigeria. Um, politicians stealing money, um, money not trickling down to, to the people, um, politicians. So here, you know, almost similar to here in America, but when, when, when people want to become rich and rise out of poverty, what are they, you know, especially when we talk about people from inner cities, poor areas, you know, what they gravitate to music for the most part, you know, sports. You know, you know, even selling drugs, that kind of thing. At least yeah, this is yeah. the environment that I come from. Uh, in Nigeria, uh, when people, you know, when, you know, people want to rise out of poverty, they venture into politics. They do everything oh. into politics because oh. politicians will go into politics dirt poor and come out billionaires, not oh, millionaires, but billionaires. Now, why is that? Because the politicians are known to steal money steal resources, especially the politicians that or the governors and the senators who are over oil states in Nigeria, you know, like the Delta and these other states that are rich in resources, you know, this, I mean, you can Google the stories, the endless stories of politicians and oil ministers who, again, they go into these positions poor and they come out multi-billionaires and then once they finish and investigations happen they go to london or they go to america and they're sitting on all of this money you know well, so and they and they they if the sort of trend is any is if that's where they're coming from yeah the nigerian the kids uh become uh really highly educated yes they get yes. very uh they're, they're very much overrepresented in the higher educational environments Yep, and yep, and, yep. Like in the really states, sta- yep, in the states, yeah. Like, like, yeah. like in in America and UK, like a G, uh, a, a bachelor's degree is equivalent to a GED. Like, if you're a Nigerian kid and you have a bachelor's degree and that's it, like you're you're a disgrace to you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like education is held in high regard amongst and, and so, Nigerian families. You, yeah. you know, and it's interesting. I was talking to a Chinese woman a couple of days ago, and yeah. she was saying it was the it's the moms that really drive that. Oh yeah. Uh, not that the dads aren't into it, but the moms yeah. start holding the shame, you know, you're shaming the entire continent. Oh, yeah. yeah. hundred percent. Is it the moms too that do that? Yeah. It's oh. the moms. It's the mom. And when a mom can't get through the dad, you know, the dads will say, like, it's so funny when I was a kid, my mom would threaten me. Like, cause this is what Nigerian parents in the West do. They say, if you don't do good in school, I'm sending you, I am sending you back to Nigeria. You are going back to Nigeria. First class ticket to Nigeria. All the time. And my mom would say that to me. I'm like, Mom, you can't afford to send me to Nigeria. <laughs> but all my really? Nigerian friends who had both a mom and dad, you know, uh, even now, like friends, are like most of the Nigerians I know are either doctors, engineers, very successful entrepreneurs or lawyers. And you talk to all of them and they will all tell you that my mom and dad threaten me with the same thing. If I do not do what I'm supposed to do, I'm on a first class plane ticket to Nigeria <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Well, okay. So now you end up here with your mom. She has to sort yeah. of flee, really. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 We we and, end up here, uh, and yeah. And is Bronx where she grew up? Is that sort of a familiar territory for her family there, that kind of thing? Yeah, she grew up in Harlem, um, mm-hmm. but you know, Harlem Bronx is all very close to each other. So um, she came back to the Bronx, and you know, my aunt Doki, um, God bless her soul, she lived not right down the street from us, and then my grandmother lived in Washington Heights, which was not too far from us. So she had help um, um, babysitting wise. But yeah, she came, she came to the Bronx, and it was very, very rough. I mean, we're talking about the eighties, you know, yeah. the crack epidemic, and. Uh, and you know, crime out of control, mafia still ruling the streets of yeah. New York, and yeah. uh, John Gotti and all that. So, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it was a very rough environment. And what did your mom do for a living at that point? She, the first thing she did was she got a teacher. She got a job as a teacher in the South Bronx. Uh, 
Mm. And uh, uh, it was, again, that was rough. Um, and But to augment her pay, because she got paid little to nothing. I mean, teachers don't make a lot of money now anyway, but back then it was even less. Um, she would take odd jobs. She would take whatever job she could in order to, expo- you know, provide for my brother and I, kind of try and maintain that that, that bubble, somewhat of a bubble that we had in Nigeria, um, and to expose us to the art. So she would take jobs at art galleries and museums oh, wow. and playhouses just to be able to get us in for free so that we can get, you know, added augmented education. Um, and yeah, man. And then she started a creative writing company. That's kind of how I got into writing is, you know, my mom was, she's a, would just love writing and an avid writer. And she would t- tell my brother and I that if you can articulate your thoughts in a written or literary form, then you will never be without a job. You will always be able to have a job. And um, she was she was absolutely right. And so when some parents put, you know, a jujitsu uniform or basketball, a baseball, baseball bat or football in their kids hands, my mom was just all about writing. And she would uh, that was part of the arts to her. So she would make my brother and I read New York Times articles and 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 read books and, you know, write reports. And if the reports weren't near perfect, then oh, she would boy. make us pick a new one and start all over again. Wow. And uh, I'm grateful for her because again, this book behind me is coming out July 25th, by the way, Chameleon, it wouldn't be happening if it wasn't for that uh that that uh literary um uh introduction that my mom gave me at a very young age yeah i mean your your writing skill is is on full display and it's yeah. it's it's and, and i have to say it's not just that you're an excellent writer it's you're an excellent storyteller yeah yeah is yeah. uh kind of Thank a you. that's the combo you need this, and this is Thank a you. fiction chameleon or is yeah, it com- yeah com- com- chameleon is fiction it's uh, you know i tell people all the time i've been saying lately because it's true but it's a fictional extension of transform um so whereas transformed is my memoir uh which got picked up to be a movie i don't know if i told you that last time but uh well i did it because the deal didn't happen yet but it got picked up by a major studio to be a movie i can't mention the studio just yet they hired me to they bought my life rights book rights and hired me to write the screenplay and the screenplay is done um um but uh transform my first book uh was my about my life it was my story or everything that we've discussed so far and going past that going from nigeria to the bronx bronx to the seal teams and so on and so forth and and so Chameleon is a fictional extension of Transform. So, you know, instead of the main character being named Remy, the main character is named Kali. He's from Nigeria. Instead of his dad being an engineer, his dad was in the Nigerian mafia. So we have these flashback chapters. But he's a spy. He's a tier one um, CIA spy, part of this black box universe that I kind of created. And again, a lot of it is loosely based off of of me and the human intelligence stuff that I did in the SEAL team. So, um, yeah, that's 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 chameleon in a nutshell, fictional that's, extension. That was going to be my question about the intelligence, because I, I felt like th- yeah. those sorts of experiences kind of shown through in this book. And yeah. uh, people will dig that. Chameleon, Absolutely. get it now. Can they pre-order it now? You can pre-order it now. You can pre-order it. I'm, I'm not sure when this episode is going to release, but if uh, it releases uh, within the next week or within the next two weeks, then by the time they pre-order it, then uh, it'll it, it'll uh, be at their doorstep the day it arrives. Can they buy it in Nigeria? Because that's where you had some traction right now. Put, yeah, I know, I know. I was. I, I, I wish. I think there's a bookstore in Nigeria called Roving Heights, and uh, that they could get it. But Amazon. I mean, if Amazon, uh, you know, yeah. works in Nigeria, then yeah, you can get it anywhere because it's uh, Amazon is, from what I understand, they sell everywhere. So, yeah. have you done audiobook in this yet? Yep, I read the audio book just like I did the Transform audio book. So I I did all the different voices and uh, characters Fantastic. and the action and all that. So it's going to be is if people love the audio book for Transform, which I have a lot of people who do, they'll they'll love uh, Chameleon for sure. And we're going to flush out the rest of your story very quickly too. Yeah. But my question about the writing experience with your mm-hmm. you and your brother did you or and or your brother transmit that to your to your kids? What did you do? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My, my oldest Are they writing reports. Yeah. Not, well, not yet. My wife won't let me, you know, my beautiful <laughs> wife who you mentioned loves you as well. And, uh, she, uh, she won't let me go that hard, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm telling you it's coming. It's coming in the next year or so where my oldest will be writing some reports and, uh, and, uh, you know, reading some, some, uh, newspapers and books and doing reports for me, because I mean, it's, it's, it's like my mom would tell me, you know, as a kid, if you could do that, you will never be without a job. You will always have an opportunity. And, and 
everything you do. And, you know, I know we'll get to it, but that's how I got into the intelligence stuff in the SEAL teams. Like a big part of that job was writing, you know, even when mm. I was working on the show, Special Forces Fox, there was writing involved where, you know, huh. my brief that I had to give you guys and certain things that I had to do, I had to write that stuff out myself and then wow. memorize it and then share it with you guys. So, you know, I, I'm always, I always have a job, even with the writer strike, writer strike in Hollywood, you know, cause I'm a WGA writer. I write screenplays. I get paid to do that. Okay. I don't, yeah. I'm not, I'm not able to make money that way. Well, I could write a book, uh, you know, not able to write a book. Well, I could work on an unscripted TV show or I can write. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm really trying to teach my kids a importance of that and even now they come into my office sometimes they're like dad you know what are you doing and i show them the screenplay i'm like this is how a movie is made it starts this way it starts with lines of dialogue it starts with action it starts with description and all those movies that you guys love watching those cartoon movies whatever they are it started this way and at fast and i'm like and i tell them i say see you will never be out without a job if you could do this oh god i hope you're able to to get them to write because it's it, yeah. with them, you know with the screens and stuff it's hard to get kids to do stuff like that yeah. now there's yeah. some old school stuff man i hope yeah. you have success with that because yeah. they will benefit they will benefit. my daughter's writer and uh yeah there's a million things writers can do now a million absolutely things. you've heard me talk about shopify before the commerce platform revolutionizing businesses whether you're a garage entrepreneur or, or maybe you're even IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business without the headaches. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a truly global force. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Something I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Drew. That's D-R-E-W, not Dr. Drew, just Drew, all lowercase. That is S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash Drew to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash Drew. So so let's bring things forward from... Uh, you're now in the Bronx, you're yep. sort of some yep. years old and things go a little sideways. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, you know, as a little kid, my mom did a good job at masking the reality of what had happened, but just like when my mom was in Nigeria, she started venturing off as I began to venture outside of our apartment and deeper into the streets of the Bronx. I began to see things. I began to see that that person strung out on a bench from crack isn't somebody that's just sick. Like my mom would try to tell me to protect me. It's an actual crackhead. I would, I would, I would begin to realize that that guy giving that crackhead drugs isn't a pharmacist, isn't like a doctor, but is an actual drug dealer, you know? And so as I began to see these, I remember as a kid going into the local boat Degas and seeing the mafia guys with their big collar shirts and slick back here going in and collecting a tax and shaking wow. down the Dominican store owners. So oh, as I began to, you know, go out and see these things and see my mom have to beg for extra time to pay the rent and all of these things, that's when I began to realize, all right, I'm not in Kansas anymore. This is a different world. And I remember being eight years old. And in my room, staring at a picture of my dad, and I just remember breaking down crying um, yeah. because I I said to myself, if my father was here, then we would have a better life. We wouldn't be living this horrible life that we're living now. And I would say unconsciously and maybe subconsciously, that was the moment I chose to find a father to fill my void. And uh, and so, you know, I started, you know, seeking out a father in the streets, you know, street culture, hip hop culture, rap culture, um, guys, you know, drug dealers, all these different guys. I began to look to them to teach me how to become a man. So when I would listen to this music and hear rappers talk about, hey, you need to you need to punch people in the face if they disrespect you. That's what a man is. Okay. That's what I'll do. When I would hear drug guy rappers talk about, Hey, if you want to, you know, uh, get what a, be a player, you know, you gotta 
sleep with multiple women. That's the way you become a man. And I would do these things. And then I started selling drugs and, uh, you know, and, and then I progressed from selling heavy drugs and making a lot of money doing that to, uh, you know, my teens running high level scams. And by the time I was 19, I had built a massive illegal enterprise where I was bringing in tens of thousands of dollars a week. I had a crew worker for me. And then I was also laundering that money, uh, through a, uh, record company that I started called. Oh Ape my God. Uh, I, I, I know people on uh, audio wants to be able to see this, but that's me right there. And these are, uh, you know, other guys that I hired and rappers that I signed to my record company. And so with all of that illegal money that I was making, I was able to funnel it into the record company and, you know, produce music, go on small mini tours and just do all of these things. What a, wow. uh, I mean, you had your dad's entrepreneur ability. It just went the wrong direction. Went the wrong way. Went the wrong way. Did you get stuff for your mom? Did you funnel stuff to her? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would give her did money. Wonder where did she know where it was coming from, or she'd be able? No, to no, she, no. It's so funny because when I wrote "Transformed" uh, and she read it the first time, she was like, "You did all of that," and she was <laughs> she was upset. She was just like, "You embarrassed me, and <laughs> you're embarrassing me now with this book." And you know, I had to really explain to her, you know, in, in, in African American culture, you know, it's it's very uh, taboo to kind of air your dirty laundry even if it's specifically about you you know it's like a bad thing don't talk about that and i told my mom i was like yeah you mom i I did these things but look at who i am today you know she had a really hard time with it but she wasn't aware of what i was doing uh, because I, i was a good liar I was yeah, a good liar. I mean, going, sure. going, you know, I, I learned a lot from the streets that later applied to what I did in intelligence. And part of that was being able to read people react and lie when I needed to. So I was able to create these backstories of jobs that I had or places I, yeah, I, I, I was at. And, you know, and then I would try and do good in school to keep my mom off my back. So I, <laughs> I lived this very duplicit life. And uh, so she was not really aware of the stuff that I was doing. Um, and, uh, but I, yeah, I did get her some money from time to time i bought like a brand new car and i would you know take her grocery shop and let her drive to different places and and uh and uh so yeah um but it all came crashing down and i would say 2001 december shortly after 9 11 Mm. I ended up getting involved in this deal with this drug dealer where I sold him, you know, a bunch of phones um, that was because I, I my my cell phone scam evolved into me just selling, you know, phones for like 300 to 400 pop to, to people here and there to selling the drug dealers because the drug dealers like the phones because the phones would stay on for 90 days and then they would cut off. It was oh, unlimited wow. talk. And then after it cut off, I, you know, I would get them a new phone and they the phones weren't tracked or traced huh. to them. And so um I would, uh, uh, I would, uh, you know, sell a drug dealers. And, uh, this one drug dealer came to me one day and said, Hey, you know, I'd like to buy in bulk. And uh, I was very reluctant to do that because I, I tried to keep my quota pretty moderate. I didn't want to activate too many phones because on one person's line of credit. So back up, I was getting, um, social security, date of birth, full name, and other pertinent information that was needed to open lines of credit. I was getting that from um, uh, from hospice. I had a guy who his girlfriend worked at hospice. Oh, he boy. would give me this hospice, uh, the hospital information. I would then activate uh, three phones on one person's line of credit. Nobody knew anything because these people were dying on their deathbed so that nobody was going to report anything and and uh then i would sell those three phones um on one person's line of credit for anywhere between 300 to 900 dollars depending on the type of phone and so um i tried to keep my numbers moderate throughout the week where i would just you know activate maybe 20 and then on top of that i was making money selling the phones but then i was also i had a license through mci worldcom at the time so i was like the top seller every every month i was making money that way getting bonuses as well and so so, um, which I'm not proud of. I'm just, just this is this is the, my history. Well, I, know, I know you're not, I, but it's it's incredible what a young teenager was able to pull off. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, you need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy when I look back on that. I'm just like, what were you freaking thinking? <laughs> because there were people getting caught and going to federal prison for the stuff that I was doing. And uh, so, long fast forward, this drug dealer, I sold him. You know, he convinced me to sell him, you know, instead of um, 20 a week to different people, you know, 30, 30 a week to just him. And we were just going to try it out for a couple of weeks. And, you know, so I, and I knew what he was doing. He was then in return 
you know, whatever I sold him the phone for doubling that and selling it to other people. Cause he was trying to kind of shift out of the drug game because again, you know, there's a drug deal in every corner in the Bronx is just saturated with drug dealers. So he was trying to kind of follow my lead and what I had to do, how I, how I had moved from drug dealing to the cell phone thing. And, um, the phones cut off. They were supposed to be on for 90 days. And two weeks later, um, those phones cut off. Um, he, he was in a bad spot cause he sold those phones to a bunch of people and he th- came to my house and threatened my life. And he was, he was a very, you know, he was a known killer, you know, a, a very dangerous person, Jamaican guy. And, um, and so I gave him his money and then I, uh, made kind of made some extra money on the side to pay him back even more so. And then after that, I, that's, that was my wake up call. That was my, okay, Remy, if you don't stop doing what you're doing, you're going to end up dead on prison. Um, you know, one thing my mom, my mom was spanking as a kid. And I know people have different beliefs as it relates to discipline and spanking, but I could tell you one thing that did for me was that always reminded me that there's consequences for actions. Mm-hmm. And when that guy threatened my life in my mom's apartment, my mom was actually asleep a few doors down. Oh. That was my spanking. That mm-hmm. was my, Hey, you know, you dodged a bullet, but if you keep doing this, you're not going to get a spanking next time. You're going to end up dead on prison. So you absolutely need to stop. And, um, and so, yeah, I stopped doing what I was doing. And then I went full steam ahead trying to, uh, sell the record company or at least get a label deal. Cause that's what stu- uh, record companies like Def Jam and MCA and, and a lot of these different record companies were doing in the nineties, you know, Jay Z and Rockefeller got a label deal. Um, Jaru and Murder Inc. got a label deal. So a lot of these, these, these label record labels that kind of started out where I started out at with Ape Wonder Entertainment. They were getting these label deals, so I went full steam ahead at shopping the. This, when they this when album. they do the when they do your life story, you've got to have that music sort of playing in it. You know what I mean? Oh, it's in it. And it's by the way, it. you get, make sure you copyright that shit. Make sure. Oh make yeah, sure it belongs to you. Absolutely. But, uh, but that'd be so. I mean, that would like flush out the whole story. So cool. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, for sure. So. We didn't get a bite. We got a mess. We got a meeting with uh, Kevin Lyles. I'll never forget. We got a meeting with Kevin Lyles at Def Jam. And, uh, uh, and it was going good. I played him the CD because I had different artists on the CD and he was nodding. And then about 15 minutes in, he stopped the CD and he said, Hey, that's good, but you want to hear something even better. And as soon as he said that, my head dropped because I knew that that meant he was going to sign us to a label deal. And then he puts in this CD by this rapper named Joe Buttons. Um, and i'm not sure if you ever heard of him he's a very successful podcaster now yeah. and he's like this is what you guys need to be like and uh he played the very first song that joe buttons had released but i say all i have to say we ended up not getting label deals time passed the money ran out and i was broken poor i you know and i was back to square one and that's how old were you at that point how old i, I was 19 uh this was uh january february 2002 now and um yeah yeah and so, uh, you know, after a few months of pretty much doing nothing with my life is when I, there's a lot more to the story. People can get in the book transform, but that's when I, I made the decision I need to get out of here. And, uh, the way I'm going to do it is the Navy. And, and, and you saw, uh, you saw a movie about seals or something, right? Yeah. I saw a movie by the name of the rock, uh, yeah. that Michael Bay directed. And, uh, that film, uh, had, that was the first time I was exposed to Navy seals. I never knew who Navy SEALs were or what they did. But when I watched that movie and saw those guys coming out of the water and they had the suppressors and all the cool get up, I was just like, that's what I'm going to do. If I, like, I want to, you know, if I ever turn my life around, that's what I'm going to do. And so that, that's what led to my decision to join the Navy. And, uh, I went to the Navy recruiter's office and, uh, God bless her, Tiana Nadine Reyes. She, uh, uh, she saw that, uh, she, that had potential, even though I was acting stupid when I went to August. Did, did, did she, I was curious of what, yeah. what her sort of demeanor was when you came in and at oh, what yeah. point she realized sort of what she was trying to manage here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Did you, did you come in and just say, look, I've got some issues and but I really want to be a seal or, or did it sort of slowly come out during the interview? Well, it, I, well, how did well she react? yeah, I came in and I saw her and she was gorgeous. And all the Navy stuff went out of my head. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm, so I'm hitting on her. So I'm like, hey, what's up, girl? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I got this music business. And, you know, oh, I'm fantastic. thinking about joining the Navy. You know, and I'm trying to swab her. And she, you know, she was from the Bronx. Yeah. Uh, she did her time in the fleet Navy. And then she came back to the Bronx to be a recruiter. And she saw right through that. 
you know, so she was like, whatever. And so she played along for a little bit. Again, she was just, she was playing me. She knew what she was doing. And uh, the first thing she had me do was have me take a practice ASVAB test. I scored high enough to get in the Navy, but I didn't score high enough to get in a SEAL training because I told her I wanted to be a SEAL. And uh, she kind of scoffed at that. And then the next thing she did was she ran my background. Uh, and when she ran my background, she discovered that I had two warrants out for my arrest. Yeah, in two, different, a, in two different states in New Jersey she, did and in she New York. Laugh at you? Did she? Was she alarmed? She, How did she, she react? She looked up to me. Looked up at me in shock. She was like, "Um, yeah, you know, you got warrants, and you can't join the military." Yeah. And as soon as she said that, I got up and I like bolted towards the door, and <laughs> she yelled at me, "Stop!" Before I got out, and I turned and said, "What?" And she said. Do you have an, an, a, a suit? I said, no. She said, do you have a, a nice collar shirt and some nice pants? I said, I'm sure I could find something. Why? She said, come back tomorrow. I said, for what? She said, snap at me. Just shut up and come back tomorrow, okay? Wow. Her thick New York accent. And I said, all right. And I came back the next day, and um, she was in her dress uniform. And she drove me to both judges, the judge in New Jersey, the judge in New York, uh, and advocate on my behalf. You know, essentially did, hey, did she get did she arrange an appointment with the judge or did you just walk into the courtroom? He was able to get right in. I can't I, you know what this is. I mean, you gotta remember this is like this is ninety, this is two thousand and two, so over twenty years ago. So I can't yeah. remember all the details, but I can tell you that it might have been a week later we ended up going to a court, but I can't tell you that she was able to get us right there in front of the judge in the courtroom. Um, it wasn't like in, in the courtroom. Or You're standing in the courtroom. Yeah. We were in the courtroom. So we were, she was able to get me in front and um, she stood right next to me and essentially advocated on my behalf, you know, and, and said, wow. Hey, this kid's made mistakes, but he has potential. Nine 11 happened nine months ago. Um, he wants to join the military after the act of war, which I didn't. She was just, you know, saying that. And, uh, and, but he can't join the military with warrants and a record. Mm-hmm. And so the, uh, the judges, both judges said, okay, if this guy's serious about turning his life around, then we'll expunge his record, clear these warrants, and all he has to do is pay court fees and court fines, and uh, then he's, he's he's free and clear. And, uh, you know, she went a step further after that and fudged the paperwork because even with my record expunged, you know, they're still, they're still in the system. So she fudged the paperwork and worked some magic, and, uh, and, and that's how I was. I was in the Navy. I mean, I went to her office um, – I want to say like the last second to last week in June and July 2nd of 2002, I was in boot camp in Great Lakes, Illinois. So it all happened really, really fast. And uh, she made that happen. She would die two years later. Um, I didn't find that out until uh, way, way later. Um, but, you know, her sacrifice, you know, her, 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 her kind of? she had a very rare autoimmune disease. Um, uh, called myogasitis or gaitis or something like that. Myogasitis. Is this? Yeah, maybe that sounds about dermatomyositis. That's the more. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, Yeah. that got uh, got a famous football player too. I forget who it was from the like the nineties. Dermatomyositis is awful. Yeah, and did you have a relationship with her across those two years? Did you stay in touch? No, no. You know, I tried to contact her. The military is so big. Um, I tried to contact her a couple of times and send letters, but you know, she had moved on from the duty station because I think she was towards the end of her her time at the recruiting station. So she moved on into another place, and so I sent letters there. And I remember calling up. And I remember calling up after I made it through SEAL training to try and like let her know, hey, let her know. And they were like, hey, we don't even know who she is. I mean, we, 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 we're new. And I couldn't get, I couldn't find her anyway. The way I found her was really, really crazy. I, uh, I ended up, I was flying, this is a crazy story. I, I was flying to Atlanta, Georgia, um, because I was working on this documentary. This was after I got out of the military for these kids who essentially they were on their way to prison. And 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 this this guy, he had a nonprofit where he was trying instead of getting the kids sentenced to prison, he was trying to get the kids sent to this horse farm in Colorado that he started to to have them kind of break horses, to teach them how to break horses so that they could kind of see themselves in the horses and see, you know, and, and so long story short, you know, I fly out to Atlanta and essentially stand before the judge with this kid. And as I'm on the plane flying to San Diego, like something told me, hey, just keep trying to find Tiana, keep trying to find Tiana. So I start Googling her name, Googling, and I find this 
I find that she died. Mm. Um, and I, I, uh, keep Googling. I find like a family member that owned like a, a, a event planner shop in the Bronx. So I got that event planner phone number. I called up, spoke to her, found out that I was her cousin. Oh my God. That's weird. And her cousin, I told her, cause I was like, I know this sounds crazy. Tiana Reyes got me into the Navy and, you know, I just found out she passed away and it's heartbreaking. And I just want to be able to tell her family that, you know, her sacrifice, what she did for me paid off. You know, my life turned around. I just want to share it with somebody And she's, and I said, but I'm on a plane and my flight's just about to take off. So, and she, and she said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Atlanta. She was like, her brother's in Atlanta. Mm. Her brother had just moved from the Bronx to Atlanta. So, so I land in Atlanta and I go straight to him before I even go to the hotel. I go straight to his, uh, his house and we sit and talk for a number of hours. Mm. And he shared all these stories with me about, you know, how she, he, she died and how she would try and get so many kids in, into the military from the Bronx because, you know, she was from there. She knew nobody else would give them a shot and how he himself had been charged with some crimes and she flew home and got him in the air force. So come to find out I wasn't the only one. And, but it was a full circle moment because the very next day I'm standing in front of the judge and I was able to kind of pour my heart out for this kid at the, in front of the judge. And the judge said, all right, we won't send him to prison or jail, wherever he was going to go. We'll send him to the Mustang farm. podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And of course, you know, I've been advocating for BetterHelp and access through electronic media. No longer can people claim that they can't get access or there's stigma. You don't have to wait for a waiting room or you you just go to BetterHelp. It's easy to get caught up, of course, in what other one else needs from you and then ignore yourself and get depleted. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance and replete your needs. I personally have benefited from therapy. I sent family, friends, patients to BetterHelp, and I've been pleased with the services provided there. No longer are there excuses. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can also switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. In fact, it's important to get that right fit, so they offer that as well. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Drew today to get 10% off your first month. That's D-R-E-W. One more time, that is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash D-R-E-W. I just looked up as Ricky Bell that died of dermatomyositis. Mm, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's an well, her daughter, me and her, me and her daughter are so close. I was on the phone with her daughter for like twenty oh, minutes yesterday. Uh, her daughter starts college in August, so it's yeah. so her mom's like another mom to me. So we're really cool. Her, her daughter calls me dad, you know. So oh my uh, gosh, so real that's dad's amazing. not in her life. So it's it's a full circle, you know, um, situation. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. And so, and by the way, just in terms of um, dream casting, who are we going to cast for that? that character in the in your in your the movie about you uh so for tiana yeah uh, i would say there's two people that come to mind zoe saldana oh yeah and um there's a girl i can't let me see if i can find her name really quick the woman in uh what was that um steven spielberg movie that came that he he did a remake of it it was a um like a musical um musical uh it was a musical that was that came out recently uh, the girl she won the Oscar for that musical, um, sorry, West Side Story, right? Yeah, yeah. Her name is Ariana uh, Du Bois, D E B O S E. She won the Oscar. Has any has any contact with her? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Love to be a part of. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, so now you're you become an you've, you've it, it just sort of sketch out. You sort of don't yeah. make it to the seals the first time, but then yeah. get together and do pass the second, and then yeah and stay with it all the way through. How did you get involved with special forces? Yeah. So, uh, I was, uh, they reached out to me. I want to say about two and a half years ago, uh, for a spot. And then I guess I didn't make the cut. 
And then they reached out to me, uh, you know, about a year later and said, Hey, we'd like for you to do the UK version. And so I went through the whole interview process and I did a season of, uh, uh, of the U two seasons of the UK version, a celebrity season and a civilian season. And then, uh, I want to say six months later is when Fox picked up the, uh, US version. And they said, Hey, we'd love to have you back. We loved you on the UK version. The fans loved you out there. We think you'll be good for the US version. And so that's how it kind of all came Interesting. together. Interesting. Was there, was there a big difference between the UK and the US groups? Uh, the main difference was mainly the, uh, was pr- primarily the language. So in the UK version, it was cursing and nudity and, you know, all that, you know, on the UK <laughs> TV, which I was surprised about, you know, cause you have the recruits like stripping down naked on the freaking show. And you're just like, that was, that was actually for the first episode, uh, when we were shooting that day. And and Billy was like, "All right, get out of here, get out of your stuff." They yeah, because like, you guys made us throw our clothes off too, but we stayed in our underwear. Yeah, they got na- they get naked on the, uh, the wow. UK show, and I'm like, "Oh my god, let me turn around," you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and so that was the difference. It's just more uh, adult. Let's just say that. It's so you know, you, you you we had a UK person in our group. Mel B was in our group, yeah. and it, I just I still have these just. I'm just laughing my ass off at some of her moments. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite moments when she was uh, when Dwight Howard, who literally towered over the whatever little limited sort of barriers we had between the the, the yeah yeah commo is the place to to go to the bathroom, and Mel B's just going, "This is just not normal." <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, that was I funny. So right, so funny. that was a funny clip. But you know Speaking that group, our group is still all together. I mean, we still. I, that's I mean, awesome. Just was talking to Piazza this morning, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Piazza texted me. Yeah, he yeah, texted me this sure. morning too. Uh, he, as a matter of fact, I'm my um, I'm doing a book signing and a. Uh, that's why I asked you if you're going to be in New York July 25th because I'm doing a a Q and a, a book signing and a launch event at the Lit Bar in the Bronx. Guess who's moderating it? Who Piazza? Dwight, Dwight Howard. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, he's coming out to moderate, be? so he's going to be oh, interrogating that... me instead of me interrogating him. Oh, that is and, so. Uh, I mean, how Mike how Piazza. delightful is Dwight Howard, by the way? He's Just awesome. The most delightful person, people, he's right? Awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. So yeah, he's going to be moderating the the event, and then uh, Mike said he might try and make it. So I was checking to see if you were going to be in New York, July 25th at the Lake Bourne. I'm, I'm 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 looking at those dates. Mike Piazza is going to try and come too. He texts me. He's like, "Hey, I'm gonna try and come through." So it'd be cool. Uh, if, uh, it would be great. And if you, you know, if you get to uh, go to Las Vegas, that's where uh, Danny is now, Danny Amendola. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Raiders, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. How oh, my that? God. So yeah. so let's just review what you're doing now. I don't know yeah. if people really appreciate the breadth of the stuff. You know, they saw you on Special Forces. Yeah. And, you know, this is the second time I've had you tell your story in detail, but I've, yeah. again, I've been chewing on it for a while. I had a lot of, you see, I had a lot of, I wanted more weeds on it. I wanted more yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a phenomenal story. Yeah. Um, but tell them all the other stuff you're doing. You're acting, you're writing, just so many different things. We're directing. Yeah, so, where, yeah. where, where do you want people to go to see the things you've done? We, you know, we went to yeah. the theater, which we rarely do to see the airplane film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, so I, I, you know, for acting for me is my film school because I never had a chance to go to film school. I don't have a desire to be an actor, but I do. I, you know, my my primary focus is being a writer director. Um, but yeah, I was acting. I acted in a plane, ambulance, a bunch of other stuff. Um, and uh, I have a film that actually the producers of Plane they're producing my film Unexpected Redemption, which is a sequel to the short film that we talked about last time I was on your show. Uh, the the unexpected. So that got picked up. We're fully financed. We don't need any money at all. Um, Tell them quickly about what that's about. So the unexpected is a, a, a organ harvesting film, human trafficking film, but specifically organ harvesting. I, I was shocked that that yeah. film was an eye opener for me. I was like, they, "This yeah. goes on like this? Like, you got to be kidding me!" Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's that, to me that the amount of money involved is such that you the right people that will start yeah. doing. Yeah, it's it's very it's a very sophisticated uh, network of people, and it's very intricate, and that's why I wanted to. What I really wanted to 
to to come across during uh during the film the film when people watch the film so that i want them to understand that this is organized crime to the to, to the highest degree these ain't just some small uneducated people a lot of people that are involved in organ harvesting are have to be in our doctors and nurses you know i have to be very educated learned people and so um so yeah i did that short film and i got to say give a shout out to you while i'm on that on with you uh doctor so many people who watch the short they say hey I'm here because I heard you talk about the short on Dr. Drew's podcast, oh, and yeah. I'm so glad that I came watch this. I want to give you kudos for for really pushing that out there. But um, you know, one of the people who watched the film was the uh, was the is the producer of uh, um, of the plane. Him and his team watched it. Gerard Butler and and our financier Mike Bowie, who produced uh, Hotel Mumbai and a bunch of other stuff, and a lot of other big names watched the film. They was like, "This needs to be a feature film. This needs mm. to, uh, you know, we need to do this." And so uh, essentially, uh, they got behind it. We've already cast a major star. Can't oh, mention wow. his name yet. We oh, I can't wait. Major, yeah, we got another Pretty major star. Too. No? I can tell you offline. I'll tell you offline. Okay. You, okay. You, you, I'll tell you offline, but I uh, can't just say, yeah, we got another major star that we've been talking to for a while. And so we're getting into the weeds of the deal now with him. And then we have a bunch of other major people that, you know, we're going to start going after, after we get these two guys locked in, but it's going to be a real eye-opening movie. And the good thing is there's a, a recent human trafficking film that came out on July 4th called Sound of Freedom. And uh, uh, that film did really, really well. Did $14 million in mm. one day on a $14, mm. $5 million budget. And it actually beat Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny on that one. On, on, it released just on July 4th. And so it didn't wow. release the Friday before. So that's that. it really shows uh, Hollywood that there are people who want to know more about human trafficking and organ harvesting and and they wanted they want to learn so that they can actually you get involved in, in fighting back and so um well, it's future... interesting to me now that i understand a little more about that period of your life where you were mm-hmm. involved in organized crime essentially of yeah. your own sort of making that you would be able to see through these organizations and understand yep. them better than the average writer that's for sure Absolutely. And then, and then, you know, and then capture that and, and write it out in a script and then yeah. now put the camera lens over that and then, and, and shoot it as a film. So, right. uh, we were trying to go, we were supposed to go into production mid July, but the WGA, I'm a WGA writer. So we yeah. can't get the film insured during the writer strike. Um, so, you know, we're going to hopefully go into production as soon as the writer strike lifts. So that's one project I got going. And then I have a documentary coming out called Hero that I produced with, uh, Nate, uh, Nick Nanton. He's a multi Emmy award winning um a producer uh and director of documentaries so we that film's already in a can in post-production so we're going to hopefully be releasing that in fall it's it's essentially taking the hero's journey uh that joseph joseph campbell kind of wrote the yeah. hero's journey it's a book yeah, about yeah. you know that here you know every hero in the film goes through essentially their, their story arc and so we, we're taking that hero's journey concept and we're applying it to actual people so we wow. have some really cool people who, whose lives are going to be under the microscope of the hero's journey from a UFC fighter to a woman who rode from California she rode in a rowboat from California to Australia oh. my story is a part of it and then we have uh, we have a, um, a singer who was uh, she got the golden ticket in uh, America's Got Talent and she's deaf death and so we got some really really cool stories that we that, that that's going to be a part of the hero's journey and then uh and then my book transform as i mentioned got picked up to be a film so that script's done actually so once the writer strike lifts i'll turn that into the studio and then hopefully we can get to casting and then obviously chameleon you know my Boy, book go, that uh, uh yeah go by chameleon a, and then it yeah. too will be a film so let's support this yeah. book let's go get it yeah interestingly it actually started out as a film i wrote the screenplay first and then i had a big major your producer picked up the rights to the screenplay and had me go through a year of rewrites. And after I wrote the screenplay, um, um, that's when a buddy of mine who used to work for the CIA, but he's now author, he read the screenplay and was like, Remy, you should do this as a book series because this is a phenomenal script. It's very grounded. It's super cool. And, you know, we've never seen a protagonist like this who could become a chameleon, who could become whatever character he needs to become at the drop of a dime and then still keep it grounded. You need to do this as a book. And I was just like, I don't feel like writing. I've just been writing for like a, a screenplay for a year and I just need a break from writing. He was like, do this. And so he sent the screenplay to his agent. His agent read it and his agent said, 
Taylor's right about this, Remy. It needs to be a book series and, and, and I can sell this. And we created, he created a bidding war in less than a week. You know, we had like off, offers from like four or five different publishers who read the script and pitch and they were like, we, we want this. And we ended up going with HarperCollins, William Murrow. And, mm-hmm. and now book, book one is out <laughs> July 25th. Right yeah. It's a big yeah. deal, man. Yeah. And the movie will well, come afterwards. And now where should people go if they want to follow you on socials? Um, everywhere, you know, uh, uh, t- uh Twitter, Instagram, uh, Is threads it just now. Your name? Just, just my name, name, Remy Adeleke. Uh, okay, R E M I, and then A D E L E K E. And there's no underscore or anything like that in nope. between or dots or anything. Okay, great. I got a, I got a unique name, so I, I got lucky. I, I <laughs> you can hold all those, all those labels. Yeah. Well, listen, my friend, it just, it's just always a privilege and a pleasure to talk same, to you. And same. I, I, and the more I learn, the more I'm just, you know, breathtaking by your story. It's just, Thank you. and, uh, and I just love the idea that Dwight's going to be doing your book next week. It's yeah, yeah. a couple weeks. That's fantastic. That's yeah, going to be fun. And Mike shows up. You should, you should get on. I, I'm going to announce, you know, we have this, this, um, what is that group chat chat? Yeah. The, yeah. The, uh, one of these, uh, on WhatsApp on WhatsApp, I'm going to, I'm going to bug everybody to see if they, yeah, work. let everybody yeah. know. Yeah. Let them out. I'll text you the flyer so that you can drop it and send it to them. Let them all, all right, know. Do to that. Come. Yeah. Do that. yeah. Do that. That'd be a yeah, cool yeah, little yeah. reunion. And we, we didn't talk about the other show, which we really can't talk about just yet, but I got another show coming down the pipe, an unscripted show that, that we're going to try and get you on an episode, brother. I lo- I listen. I, I was a little low key when I responded to you about like, hell yeah. <laughs> 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 but it, that one that's yeah. going to be another hit man that that yeah, is gonna I, I see what that's going to be and it's, yeah. I, I, we can't talk about it but, yes. but that's, <laughs> it's going to be another hit and yes, uh, does it have a network yet or is it still just yep. a, it's got yeah. a, it's got a network it's got its finance it's yeah, all yeah. ready to shoot which is we're just trying to find a date that we were trying to shoot during the week of my book release but i can't do that so we're going to shoot after after that but there's some big names involved that's all i can say to the audience there's some yeah. big names that, yeah. that are involved in every episode and it's yeah. going to be i don't want you getting epic. impressed by any of that i don't want you holding back i'm going to see yeah. you to do oh, no. i won't i won't <laughs> because that's where the magic starts man yes all sir. right well listen uh again just a privilege and uh i hope to see you soon in person somewhere along Absolutely. the way uh, Remy's wife is a is a primary care physician also, yeah. and I love her, and she's great. And you've got, you guys have four kids, four kids, four yep. kids. So yeah, congratulations, yep. all that. And, Thank you, brother. And uh, just everyone, go follow Guy by the Book. Uh, if you're not yeah. as breathtaking as I am, there's something wrong with you. So, what <laughs> Remy's projects, and we'll see everyone next time. Yes, sir. Thank you, Doc. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Thank you.